0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, good morning, everybody. (laughs) Last week, we stepped into 2024 by preaching through, beginning to preach through the Old Testament book of Proverbs, theme by theme. And the theme that we're starting with It's kind of the overarching theme of the entire book, which is wisdom. And and so we asked these three questions last week. Number one, what is wisdom? We said wisdom is discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. And then we asked, why is wisdom important? And, And we said this, because you can miss reality, but you can't miss the consequences of missing reality. You can miss reality, but you can't miss the consequences of missing reality. I want to stop there. Before I go any further today... I wanna talk about two biblical terms. They both start with a C. Conviction and condemnation. It's absolutely imperative as we walk through this series that we understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is the language that God speaks. Conviction, if you ask me to summarize it in a short phrase, it would be this, from now on, from now on. That's conviction. Like, I get in my car and I decide I wanna take a road trip to Red Deer, Alberta. I get on a Highway 1, and I head straight west. And somewhere along the line, somebody says to me, you're going the wrong way. So I turn around, and I say, from now on, if I want to get to Red Deer, I'm going to drive east. From now on. Conviction is the language that God speaks. The other C word is condemnation. Condemnation is the language of your spiritual enemy, the devil. If I had to summarize condemnation in a phrase, it would be this, all is lost. All is lost. I get in my car and I'm planning on going to Red Deer, Alberta, and I hit Highway 1 headed west, and somebody says, you're going the wrong way. Condemnation says, all is lost now. I'm just going to keep driving right into the Pacific Ocean because I am sunk. All is lost. I want to suggest to you, as, as we step into this preaching through Proverbs... Over and over again, if you've been in church your entire life, if this is the first time you ever walk through, you are going to hear a voice of condemnation. Two groups of people will hear it mainly those who can look back at their life and say, Man, there was that moment. There was those series of moments. I did not act wisely, and I have deep, deep, deep regrets. So much so that you'll be tempted to believe that actually all is lost. The other group as we preach through Proverbs that's going to hear the voice of condemnation is you've exited one phase of your life and you've entered in another. And so you might look back and you might say, well, all is lost because I can't do middle school again. All is lost because I can't redo high school. All is lost because I can't change the compromises I made when I was dating. All is lost because I can't change what I did in my first marriage. All is lost because my kids aren't little anymore. And you know what? I can't redo those unwise things that I did back then. So all is lost. So I want to make sure that we understand here today that condemnation is a lie. And what you must do is you must reject it. Over and over and over again, you're going to hear the voice of condemnation. It will either be spoken to you from other people, or your spiritual enemy, the devil, will plant it in your mind. He'll whisper lies in your ear. Until you find yourself speaking that language, some version of this, all is lost. It is, however, a lie that must be rejected. It must be, all is not lost. If I asked you, man, if if you could go back 10 years, 10 years from today, just go back in time and make a decision 10 years ago that you're going to start living wisely. You would say, I'll take that, I'll take that. 10 years from now, you will remember back to January 14th, 2024, because that was the day that you decided from now on. I don't expect to be perfect, but from now on, I'm gonna do the best I can to live a wise life. Over and over and over again, the voice of condemnation will come to you over and over and over again, you must reject it. Condemnation is a lie. Please please understand me. I'm talking about Jesus here. Jesus is always from now on. Please understand that, that Jesus stepped up to the tomb of one of his best buddies, a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for four days, and Jesus says, hey Lazarus, come on out, and he did. From now on. That's God's language for you and for me. We're on this journey, right? We're on this journey to the truest version of me, to the truest version of you. From now on. So last week we asked, what is wisdom? We said it's discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. Why is it a big deal? Because you can miss reality, but you can't miss the consequences of missing reality. The third question we asked was this. How do you get it? And basically we said this, you ask. You ask God for it, and that's how you get it. Well, I want to use that as a springboard to step into today. If you ask God for wisdom, he will answer. I guarantee it. But as he answers, there's five things I believe that you and I need to understand. If we pray for wisdom, God will answer. If it's your first time in church, if you're joining us online, if you've been in church your entire life, if you ask God for wisdom... He will answer, but there's five things you need to know to understand as he answers. Here's the first one. Wisdom is a long story. It's not a quick fix. Wisdom is a long story. It's not a quick fix. Earlier, Amber Lee quoted Proverbs 3, chapter, or Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. And there's another translation that says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will guide your steps. The life that you want to live in middle school, the life that you want to live in high school, the life that you want to live in your marriage, the life that you want to live in your parenting, a life well lived always unfolds frustratingly step by step. A life of wisdom unfolds step by step by step. And sometimes we don't love that, you know? There's a part of you and there's a part of me. We, we gro- grossly overestimate what we should be able to accomplish today. And yet we grossly underestimate what we can accomplish in a step-by-step life of wisdom. We've been conditioned in our culture to expect so much quicker, though. They say, hey, drink this, and you'll lose weight and get ripped. Read this book and you'll get rich. Listen to this podcast and you will be successful. If you, hey, listen, if you say these words in this order, every woman in the world will love you. If you wear this perfume, the guys will be attracted to you like, we want a quick fix. The problem is, is if you pray for wisdom, you might expect God to fix your life, a quick fix right away. It doesn't work like that. It's a step-by-step process. In fact, I would go as far as to say this, sometimes wisdom, the effects of wisdom, are best seen through the rearview mirror. Sometimes we want to see something immediate in the windshield. A life well lived unfolds step by step. Some of the most heartbreaking meetings that I've had as a pastor, and I've had a lot of them, is a man walks into my office and he says, My wife walked up to me today and she said, I'm done. It's over. They say to me, what can I do to fix it? What can I do to fix it? And man, and and with all my heart, I wanna help them. I really, really do. It's hard, you know, what do they say? Women are really patient until they're not. It's hard, and, and sometimes I've come to this realization that there really is no fix other than sending you back 17 years. The day that you got married and, and, and doing wise things 17 years ago. There is no quick fix, and one of the things I notice with these men is often they'll do this, they'll say, "Man, all the things that I should have been doing for 17 years, all the things that my wife asked me to do for 17 years, all, all the things that I kind of knew that I need to walk into. I'm going to do them right now." And then they come back to me and they go, "Everything she, she wanted me to do, I'm doing. What's the problem?" I'm gonna give you a little bit of bad news. Here's the problem when you do that. She says, I'm done, right? And then you say, Man, I'm gonna do all the things I should have done. Psychologically, what are you communicating? She thinks this, even if it's just subconsciously. When I say I'm done, you do the stuff. And when I'm not done, you ain't gonna do the stuff. A life well lived unfolds step by step. Now listen, I told you earlier, this is not a sermon of condemnation, this is a sermon of conviction. So listen, from now on, from now on, I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't. But I do know this, there are certain aspects of other people that you will not, you cannot ever control. But what if you just made the decision today, from now on? From now on, I'm going to act wisely, from now on. I truly believe if you do that what will unfold regardless of what other people do what will unfold unfold is the truest version of you from now on a life well lived unfolds little step by little step a guy whose name I can't really pronounce said it this way watch your thoughts they become your words Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. I wanna give you one little next step. It's a next step that when I say it, it's gonna seem really simple. What I would suggest to you is that if everybody in the world just took this one little next step, human history would be radically altered the face of this planet would be radically altered. Maybe you heard this before, that if you grew up going to Sunday school, or even if you didn't, maybe you heard that one of the first songs that they teach you at Sunday school is this, Jesus loves me. You know, that first line goes, Jesus loves me, this I know. Here's the thing though, we don't. We don't really know that. We might have moments we might have ours, but, but often we don't really, really understand that. And, and I, I think if everybody actually knew that, it, it would radically alter human history. Bitterness and guilt and jealousy and anger would be almost eliminated. These are the destroyers of our culture. They'd be almost eliminated if we just knew that. Jesus loves me this way. I know. So I'm gonna give you two tiny little steps, two tiny little steps to embrace that, to remind yourself of that, to own that. That when the voice of condemnation comes walking up to you that you'll understand that more than anything else, Jesus loves me. Two little steps. Here's one. When you get into your car, if your habit is normally to turn on some music or to turn on a podcast, I wanna say, you can do that, but once every couple days. Why don't you just leave the stereo off? And as you drive, in that relative, still, quiet place, just say, Jesus, would you show me that you love me? And he will. Say, I'm brand new to church. I don't even know if I believe in him. He'll show you. Ask him. Oh, I've been in church my whole life. He'll show you. He'll remind you. Ask him. Jesus, would you show me that you love me? And here's the second one, and it's simple. Just make church attendance a priority. I'm preaching to the choir. You're here right in the front row, right? I'm preaching to the choir. But I do know this about you and me. Condemnation has this bad habit of rearing its ugly head over and over and over again. Uh, seemingly unrelated things will come up where anything that could go wrong does go wrong on Sunday morning. Jesus loves me. This side. If you pray and ask God for wisdom, there's five things you need to remember. Number one, wisdom is a long story. It's not a quick fix. Number two, wisdom is looking to learn, not knowing it all. Looking to learn, not knowing it all. So years ago, I decided to shave all my hair off, right down to the mahogany, okay? So just shave my head, and I was so stoked, like incredibly excited about it. And so I said to Corinne, I said, Corinne, I'm shaving my, my hair off, it's going to be amazing, I'm shaving my head. And she was quiet for a couple of minutes. And then she said, hey, Mike, I think I know why you want to shave your head. I said, I bet you don't. Why do you think I want to shave my head? She said, you think that you're going to look like Michael Jordan if you shave your head. <laughs> I'm like, how did you know that? It's amazing. Coolest guy ever, man. Like This is going to be awesome. I'm going to look just like him. She said, sweetheart, you know I love you, right? I said, I know, I know, I know you love me. She's like, you're not going to look like Michael Jordan if you shave your head. Don't do it. So I went for it, okay? And uh, just shaved it right down to the mahogany. And I remember when, when I was done, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I look just like Michael Jordan. Like It's crazy how, like we're brothers from different mothers. Like this this is absolutely amazing. I was convinced I looked great, like unbelievably good. I remember I started getting a little bit of a sinking feeling because as I walked around the next day, nobody said anything. (laughs) Which is weird because I'm like, but they saw me last time and I had hair. And now I don't, like they must have noticed. And I came up to a conclusion, because I kept on looking in the mirror and going, no, no, I look good. Like, really good, right? So I'm figuring, maybe they're not saying anything because they're mesmerized. <laughs> just absolutely blown away by how... Is this Mike Manis or Mike Jordan? I just, I, I can't figure it out. This is incredible. So, our son Gabe was born right around that time. We decided to get family pictures. And after we got family pictures, they sent us an email... Kind of, to pick one, you know, to pick one. And and I was so excited, I I opened up the email and I looked, and I'm like, I don't don't really look, I don't look like Michael Jordan. That's not what I look like in the mirror at all. Do you want to see a copy of the family picture? As if, crazy? Not a chance. So I started growing my hair back immediately. We got, one of those family, we got one of the family pictures blown up at the top of our stairs, you know. And every night I'd walk up. But after about three weeks, uh, Corinne actually took some Spanish moss, okay, that she had been using for crafting. And uh, she, she put it on my head. My mom, my mom wouldn't even put the picture up, okay. So that's when you know you've, what's my point? Don't do that, okay. Don't do that. If you know it all, you don't. If you know it all, you can't grow in wisdom. Let me make it a little bit clearer and maybe even a little bit encouraging, okay? If lately you've been really concerned about the fact that every room you walk into, you're the smartest person in the room, it actually shows you're stupid. You're not this, because this is how, how dumb you are right now. We've all been there. You don't know what you don't know. So here's what you do. If you pray for wisdom, you ask God, he will show you. But just remember, as you walk into those rooms, remember, somebody, somebody here knows something about something that I don't. Wisdom is looking to learn not knowing it all. So number one, it's a long story, not a quick fix. It's looking to learn not knowing it all. Number three, wisdom is more about people than it is about preaching. Wisdom is more about people than it is about preaching. I love sermons. I really love sermons. You're like, yeah, I know, Mike, you preach. I know, but, but, but beyond that, I, I listen to sermons. I, I love listening to sermons. I listen to them at two and a half speed often, but I just absolutely love them. Countless sermons every week. I just get so inspired by them, you know? I've always been kind of an auditory learner. Maybe you can relate a little bit. Like when I was in high school, I didn't have to do any homework. I didn't have to study at all. If I just listened in class, I I would ace every test. I'm an auditory learner, and yet I would say this to you. I've been radically, exponentially more changed by the people who love me than by the sermons which inspired me. I've been exponentially more changed by the people who love me than by the sermons which inspire me. Now go, don't get me wrong, remember earlier I said, make church attendance a priority. Come back, please come back. You know, I, 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 think, I think sermons are so, so helpful, but the people you surround yourself with, that'll change your life. The people who love me have changed me incredibly, starting with Jesus, my wife, my kids, there, there, there's people a part of Southside to this day and their friendship and their loyalty and their love has radically changed the course of my life. And so I would say this to you, I would say this to you, just make sure you understand that. Like, I hope that you come in here and and you find a sermon that inspires you, but more than that, I hope, people say this about Southside Church a lot, man, what a friendly church, what a friendly church, what a friendly church, which is great, I love that we're a friendly church, but here's what I know that you need, you need friends at church. You need more than just a friendly church. You need friends at church. And I know Emma mentioned it already, but I want to give you a a suggestion and a plug. Would you be willing to step out and get connected at Southside? Today, after second service, there's this thing called Southside 101. 12.45, childcare, lunch for your kids, lunch for you. Here's what it really is. It's making that transition between Southside being a place where there's sermons that inspire you to finding a couple people in your corner who actually love you. Love Jesus, love you. That's how you grow in wisdom. So, when you pray to God for wisdom, understand these things. Number one, wisdom is a long story, it's not a quick fix. Wisdom is looking to learn, not knowing at all. Wisdom is more about people than it is about preaching. And fourth, wisdom is about application, not just information. Knowing a lot of stuff doesn't make you wise. We get that, right? Knowing a lot of stuff doesn't make you wise. Information alone doesn't really change your life. Information when applied, however, changes your life. Information when applied, however, will lead you down this road called wisdom. You pray to God and you ask him for wisdom, what he's gonna do is he's gonna give you a next step. Now, you can choose to take it, or you can refuse to take it. If you choose to take it, you're gonna take a little step, a little step, a little step in the direction that you were created to walk. You're gonna become more wise. Proverbs 3 says this, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. It's funny, because a vast majority of people attending North American church know that. A vast majority of people who attend church in North America know that. That God's plan is this, that you would bring back to him the first 10th of what he's blessed you with, right? And, And the promise is this, that he'll bless you more with the remaining 90 than you could bless yourself with 100. That's the promise. Here's the thing. A vast, vast, vast majority of North American church attenders know that. And a vast majority of North American church attenders do not do that. What do they say? The last thing to get saved is your wallet, right? Ever ever hear that? But all joking aside, it's just a trust thing. It's just a trust thing. Like, God's just going to keep on giving you a next step. Sometimes I even hear people say stuff like this, like, man, like I went to church for years and years and years, and all they ever talked about was this one thing. Might be money, might be sex, might be relationships. And it's not actually true that that's all they're ever talking about, but God's just gonna keep at that one area in your life until you trust him. So so here's what I've been praying for you. Has nothing to do with finances. I've been asking that God would give you a next step. Could be financial, could be relational about your marriage, about your family, about your parenting. It could be about your emotional health, your mental health. It could be about your career. It could be about your job. It could be about the place that you live. I've been praying that God would give you a next step. For many of you here today, he already has, and you know what it is. What I want to tell you, if you pray and ask God to give you wisdom, He will but it won't just be in the form of information over and over and over again. He's gonna ask you to step into this place of incredible trust, which is application. Taking what he's given you and actually doing it. And then you're gonna grow in wisdom. Okay, so when you pray and ask God for wisdom, you understand it's a long story, not a quick fix. It's looking to learn, not knowing it all. It's more about people than it is about preaching. It's about application, not just information. And finally, fifthly, It's an eternal perspective, not a narrow focus. You read through the book of Proverbs over and over and over again, Proverbs says this, adversity, adversity will help you grow wise. Man, I wish that wasn't true. I think we all get that, right? Like, people who haven't walked through a ton of adversity often aren't incredibly wise people. They are not incredibly wise people. Maybe we would say they're kind of shallow, you know what I mean? Kind of like the person who's never been married, but they got tons of advice for you to handle the struggles and challenges in your marriage, right? Or the person that has no kids, but they got a ton of opinions on how you should raise your kids when they've never had that battle that can be raising kids. I think that's true. I think we grow in wisdom as we walk through adversity. But that, that's where it gets a little bit tough because there's adversity and then there's calamity. Adversity is I failed a quiz in middle school. My high school girlfriend broke up with me. I'm 18 years old and I lost my part-time job. That's adversity and it's serious and you'll grow. But then there's something else, there's a whole other level. Calamity, tragedy, trauma. It's not like I failed a test in middle school, it's like I got some tests back from the doctor, and it's not looking good. It's not like my my high school girlfriend broke up with me, it's like I've been married for 12 years and it's over. And while Mike can stand up there on the stage and go, from now on, from now on, from now on, here's the truth, that might be true, but when it comes to my marriage, it's lost. Adversity is I lost my part-time job when I was 18 years old. Tragedy is I lost someone in my life who I really, really love. And I had to say goodbye way too soon. See, it's funny because I heard people say before, What doesn't kill you makes you stronger? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that. I think that there's a level of tragedy, there's a level of trauma that people in this room, people watching online have walked through, and maybe eventually, (laughs) but for years and years and years, it doesn't make you stronger, it leaves you really and lost. What do we do with that? In Proverbs chapter 30, there's a guy named Agur who wrote this. The skeptic swore there is no God. No God. I can do anything I want. I'm more animal than human, so-called human Intelligence escapes me. I flunked wisdom. I see no evidence of a holy God. Has anyone ever seen anyone climb into heaven and take charge? Grab the winds and control them. Gather the rain rains in his bucket. Stake out the ends of the earth. Just tell me his name. Tell me the names of his sons. Come on now. Tell me. Agur is saying this, like, I went through a stage in my life and I experienced calamity. I experienced trauma. I experienced tragedy. To such a degree that I said, certainly there can be no God. He goes on, however, in this same chapter, and he says this. There was something deep inside of me that said this. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more hope. There's got to be more hope than what I'm seeing. There, there's got to be more life, more joy more peace than I'm currently experiencing. There's got to be more than this. And he came to the conclusion that actually the brokenness in this broken world didn't drive him away from God. It drove him to God as the only source of more. That certainly we must need hope. We must need help. We must need peace. We must le- We must need life that goes above and beyond this broken world. It's an eternal perspective. It's an eternal perspective. C.S. Lewis put it this way Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what He is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live live in it himself. The command, be ye perfect is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. He said in the Bible that we were gods and he is going to make good his words if we let him, for we can prevent him if we choose. He will make the feeblest and filthy of us, filthiest of us into a god or goddess, a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine, a bright stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though of course, on a smaller scale, his own boundless power and delight and goodness. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less. We say, God, this world hurts. He says, I know. I know. We say, Well, God, end all suffering. Just end it. And God says, Well, to end all suffering, I'd have to end all evil. And because you're not yet perfect, if I was to end all evil, I would have to end you. We say, But God, it hurts. He says, I know. I was there. I came in Jesus. We say, but God, I need more. I need more, I need more help, I need more hope, I need more peace, I need more life than this. And God says, that's why I came. That Jesus came, he died and rose again. Why? To give us more that one day, we're gonna step into an eternal perspective. But God can. God says one day you're gonna step into eternity. And every lie is gonna be broken. Every ounce of condemnation is gonna be gone. No more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more disease, no more darkness. No more depression, no more discouragement, no more death, gone, forever. What I wanna suggest to you, as much as I wanna tell you, man, if you do every one of those things, just remember, hey, wisdom is a long story, not a quick fix. Hey, it's about looking to learn, not knowing at all, you know? It's more about people than it is about preaching. Remember that wisdom is, and it's about application, not information. I believe in that stuff, I do. What I would like to tell you is that if you do that, life will be carefree and easy, but the truth is it won't be. So I can't end this sermon without telling you there's a perspective. The deepest longing of your heart, the deepest longing of my heart is for more. And there is only one answer. There is only one answer. His name is Jesus. He loves you. This I. Let's pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm gonna start off by asking you a real simple question. Is today the day? I'm telling you, Jesus came, he died, he rose again for you. He came to give you more, more hope, more life, more strength, forgiveness of your sins, healing of your hurts, strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and the promise of eternity. If you've never accepted what he purchased for you through his death and resurrection, if you've never said yes to him, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Why don't you raise your hand nice and high so I can pray for you. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I would love it if you could raise your hand also. And if your hand is up, you can put it down. I'm gonna pray out loud. I invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came to give me more. I ask you to be my savior, forgive my sins and heal my hurts. I ask you to be my Lord. I thank you that you not only died for me, but you rose again for me. Give me the strength. If there's areas in my life where I need to turn around, give me the strength from now on. Today, tomorrow, and forever. And God, for all the rest of us, Maybe we've been in church for three weeks now, or maybe it's 30 years. We pray for wisdom. We pray for wisdom. Jesus, we pray for wisdom. From now on. I pray for everybody here, everybody watching online, that we would quickly reject the voice of the enemy, the voice of condemnation. That we would reject the lie that all is lost. And that today, right now, we would be from now on people. We love you, we thank you. In your name. Amen, let's celebrate. We'll see you next week. Until then, love you lots.